0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to a Thursday, March 10th edition here on the Chase Demas podcast, a jam-packed show for you guys today. We got Matt Green uh, on all things college football here on the full ride to kick things off. We've also got an interview with uh, the new head football coach at Creek High School, Todd Wofford. So uh, it was a lot of fun talking with uh, Coach Wofford about his career, coming over from Collins Hill, who just blew out everybody um, on their way to a... Uh, 7a state title uh this past year so had him on the show and it was it was so much fun and uh learning a lot about travis hunter who uh the number number one kid in the class for the 2022 cycle uh moving on to jackson state what that means for hbcus going forward and the excitement there um we touched on all that uh why he's excited to be at meadow creek and uh what we can expect from the mustangs this fall back in lilburn georgia hometown uh so there you go uh very very good conversation with him and then matt green and i uh, of course talk all things college football so uh yeah those two things popping up here on the podcast don't forget folks you can also watch every episode yeah watch every episode, go on over to youtube.com, type in the Chase Thomas podcast, hit that subscribe button and uh, share it out, like them, all that good stuff. Uh, don't forget, you should also, if you have not already done so, leave this episode or this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps a lot, it helps other people find the show, it helps this show continue to grow, and uh, tell me why you uh, why you like the show, why, uh, why you listen and why you're subscribed. That would be great. Uh, don't forget, you can also email this very program at chase Thomas Podcast at gmail.com. Any uh, college football questions or general questions, just shoot them over at Podcast at gmail.com. And yeah, follow me on Twitter, chase double underscore Thomas. Like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. All right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas Podcast, the Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, the full ride is back. Oh yeah, full ride here on the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am joined by fellow University of North Georgia alumni Matt Green. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you?
1: Good evening, sir. It is good to be back. Wednesday night, I am. Uh, <laughs> we're just finally got some uh, college basketball conference tournaments going. This is an excellent week, I would say. I don't, you know, I don't know if anyone's ever called like it's almost like a March March <laughs> Madness. There's just so much basketball. Has anyone ever said that before? I or maybe we have to say March March Mania or something. I don't know. There's I know there's big uh, like you know teams make a or, or corporations make a big deal. They can't say mm-hmm. like, Super Bowl Sunday. They have to say the big game type stuff. Yeah, but yeah, it's um it's been nice. You're gonna a terrible game is about to be on. I'm sure Georgia and Vanderbilt. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get this game out of the way so the the rest of the SEC can play basketball.
0: Yeah, you got uh, Georgia and Vanderbilt on the docket. This could be uh, Tom Crean's last game, right?
1: I would, I would hope so. <laughs> if if not this week, if not this game, then Alabama. I think is who they play if they uh, mm. if they win this one. So yeah, so the end of the Tom Crean era is is among us.
0: I just couldn't imagine not being in everything school. Like I'm spoiled now here in Knoxville, where. I don't know if you saw this or not, but would you like to guess where the baseball team slid into on t one baseball this week? Where is that top 10? We're now number 10 in the country as nice. uh, we look to sweep James Madison this week, but um, actually pretty annoyed at the weather. I don't know if the weather's bad in, in Atlanta this week, but it's cold again. And it's supposed to snow this weekend and oh, it's yeah. been awesome. And of course, Tennessee's back home. And I'm like, I'm not sitting in 25 degree weather for these guys. Like I, Tennessee baseball is so much fun to sit outside. I mean, will they it. even
1: play baseball in 25 degrees? I think yeah. there's like a. I thought they like don't play. I mean, maybe college is different. I don't know. I think mm. high school has a rule about like under 35 degrees or something. I don't even. Huh? They don't even play. I didn't know that. Don't quote em. me on that. I could be wrong. <laughs> it could be. I could. I could just. Have, I could have my facts completely wrong. But um, I think I've heard a rule like that. Who knows? Maybe maybe someone can correct me
0: what is uh what's the typical menu item for a wednesday night in the green household
1: oh dude you know it wednesday night that's uh rosati's it's pizza okay. night every wednesday that's uh, it's a little five dollars off we go mm-hmm. we go every single wednesday like it's legit chicago pizza it's that's uh, good stuff not deep dish but, yeah um it's uh it's good stuff
0: do you go before or after the recording
1: before you just pick it up so what we do okay We've mastered the pizza system, right? <laughs> so, Tori, I'm ready. this is actually this was Tori's first job. Like, this company is like their headquarters are in like um, Warrenville, Illinois, like suburbs of Chicago. And so, heard like, that was her first job. And there's like there's a couple locations in Georgia, but um, so we get it par baked.
0: Mm-hmm. So they
1: they bake the pizza halfway, essentially. So what we do, we cut it in half and then bake the rest of it ourselves, and then. The next day for like lunch or dinner or something, we just have pizza again, and it's like it's like it's leftovers, but we're eating it for the first time, and it's it's genius. I feel like uh, we 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 we've mastered this system. Like when she's out of town, and I like I, like it'll I'll, it'll legit be like four meals for me, like a, a pizza, like one pizza. That's, That's a lot of pizza
0: four meals.
1: Like yeah, I mean, just a few. I'll eat pizza all the time, man. Honestly, I'm, I'm I will big, too. Big I'm not gonna lie. Guy.
0: Well, it's also dangerous. The reason I asked if you do before or after because the the acid reflux. If you eat a lot of pizza before talking a lot, um, <laughs> I don't know. That's a bold move. Like I'm very careful what I put in my body before I do these pods. Um, because that's it a, that's it, a good point. As an IBS guy, I don't know uh, the folks did not know, but I am an IBS guy. Um, I got that from my mother, so got to be careful. Got to get the probiotics in. Got to at least you <laughs> own
1: it. You know, I respect that. Yeah. So to answer your question, we pick it up before. Mm-hmm and then eat it after so it's a uh, solid
0: you're a big like double baked person i've learned because you've got the whole potato skin thing you oh you i did bake do the,
1: the twice baked potatoes yeah. yeah those are my jam i did that little uh that little video for school it's, it's about youtube video i have of uh how to make those things i have a but confession yeah. for you what's that
0: i watched that last week
1: did you really you were watching yeah. my channel i respect that man i went it's to a look quality at quality video it's one, of, it's one of my better works.
0: It's actually a really good video. It's a good how-to. It's well I, done.
1: I appreciate that. I was, I was proud of it. I mean, that was the assignment, just like make a how-to video, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I, was, I was proud of that one, for sure. You should be.
0: That was a good one, man. <laughs> um...
1: <laughs> yeah, people, go check that out. That's what I'm plugging. <laughs> my, uh, my twice baked potato <laughs> recipe on my on my YouTube channel. There it is.
0: Why not? Is I mean, it's for. good. I mean, it's good. Uh, it would bring some joy to some folks's kitchen. Like, why not? Like, if you're yeah, looking got, to spice the, things up,
1: uh, the royalty-free music in there, like <laughs> it's uh, it's, it's good stuff. Like, you'd you think it was like a little TikTok channel, a little video. That's what I was going for.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, was TikTok around when we were in undergrad? I, I, knew you're say, I knew you
1: were gonna say. I knew you say that. No, TikTok never did exist, but those types of videos <laughs> existed. Yeah, that's true.
0: Mm. i i'm guessing this was not for j kev j this was not a j kev j class no anymore. this was uh
1: conti conti mm-hmm. solid solid made some solid videos in that class
0: okay there you go uh matt green well we're gonna we're gonna pivot off the potato skin talk <laughs> on uh the full ride here on the chase most podcast no we're gonna we're gonna get into this idea that you had so every week um with the college football offseason i want to like expand our creative juices here we did that last week a little bit this week you have this good idea because you're better at coming up with this kind of stuff than me and i appreciate that so i am going to pass the host baton the theoretical host baton to you because you had this idea of like the sec and which schools are most like the uh, nfl team x and we're going to go through who you came up with is the nfl equivalent of this SEC team. So, did I did I lay that out correctly?
1: Yeah, that, that basically sums it up right there. So, the disclaimer is, you know, it's difficult to do, right? You can't necessarily match up national ch- number of national championships with number of Super Bowl wins or something like that or, you know, there's there's 80 years of history for some of these teams, 40 years of history for you know, so it's just kind of the overall vibe, like the level of success they've had in probably the last 20, 30 years or you know, however it might may apply. So it's not perfect, but but we'll see. I think it's a fun thing. So let's see. Let's get into it. We'll go alphabetical.
0: Okay. Where are we going first? <clears throat> so
1: first off, Alabama. Alabama, this seemed like an easy one. Um, other than the pa- so the Patriots is why I mm-hmm. went for, Alabama. Other than they don't necessarily have the, the oldest tradition, like Alabama's tradition seems almost more like a Green Bay or like sh- the Chicago Bears or something. Just the recent run of national championships, Saban and Belichick. Seemed pretty easy for that one. What do you what'd you think of that one?
0: Here's the thing. No, I'm just kidding. This is probably the easiest one of the list. I think the the comparisons are obviously right there. Um I don't think there is even like if you were trying to figure out who's the most it's just easy, but it all stems from Belichick and Sabin is just the the crop like just I mean they have a whole documentary with each other. Like I don't know if you watched that, but they did this whole I think it was an HBO doc, um, but I watched it. Um, The two obviously are connected and run their programs in similar ways. But I, I will say, I think, no, this is tough, but do you think, who do you think is better? Like Saban as a college coach or Belichick as a pro coach? Do you think Saban has the edge as the all time? But like, do you think Belichick would be just as successful in college as Sabin is, or do you? Because we saw uh, a little that's, bit. That's a tough question to answer. Just because you well, the don't reason I asked that do you, Do you think he would evolve? Like, do you think he would evolve the way Saban did, where he was like, "All right, we're throwing this out. We're getting Kiffin. We're doing this different kind of scheme. We're going to recruit the way we have to recruit." Do you think he would evolve like Sabin has over twenty years? Like that is something I think is interesting.
1: Yeah, that is a good point. It it didn't necessarily need to evolve in the NFL. It's like the NFL kind of already was what it was. Like we've seen some of these new age kind of more college type offenses kind of influence the NFL in recent years. But the NFL has kind of always been, you know, what it is. And I just like it's Bill Belichick. So I just assume whatever was needed to be done to adapt to the game, he probably would have done it because, He's basically the goat. So it's it's tough to say which because you've never seen this level of dominance with Nick Saban that he has at Alabama either. But just with what goes into the recruiting, and then it it's almost like you just need to be dominant for like a four or five-year period, and then it's almost a machine that runs itself. Obviously, that's not giving Alabama nearly enough credit for everything they do, you know, through years, you know, eight through 15 or wherever you are with Nick Saban right now. But Within the, when the NFL with with everyone having such equal rosters, you know it's hard to say that Belichick is not more impressive. Even though a lot of the credit goes to Tom Brady, I guess at this point, but it's just you know they get one first round pick a year. Obviously, the Patriots have done things with trades and everything, but they're they're everyone's on an equal playing field. So it's it, I'd probably say Belichick is is more impressive than Saban, but it's tough.
0: I could go either way. You could tell me, but I would still say Saban. Probably I would, I would lead Saban. Where are we going next?
1: Uh, so this was a, I got a few question marks on some of these on our rundown. Mm. If you see some of these, I'm not as sold on, but, um, so this is one of those, this was a tough one to find. So we got Arkansas. I went mm. with the Vikings. So the Vikings have a solid tradition. I feel like they're a fan base that expects to win. Like they, they're expecting to compete for championships, but nationally I don't feel like anyone really expects them to compete for championships. Like the Vikings have had their years where they're like a really solid team, but how many real years have they really truly competed for super bowls? Like, I think that's, that's what it came down to. But like I said, like in their early years, I think they lost like four of the first like 10 super bowls. So they obviously like Arkansas had some better years back in the sixties and, and seventies like that in the, in the Southwest conference, and so they're, they're, they got to have more of that old tradition. And then currently they're just, eh, they're good. Nothing, nothing like extraordinary.
0: Does this make Ryan Mallet their Dante Culpepper? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, sure. Let's go with that.
0: I don't hate that. Um, the thing is though, that the Vikings have been pretty consistent. Like we've seen Arkansas pretty bad. We've seen them bottom out. Like that's the one thing where I'm like, the Vikings are kind of. That's true. I I don't know. I like this though. Of like they're they're always good. In Arkansas, we're like, they're good. And the Vikings are like, they're good, but they're not like Packers good. They're not yeah. Green Bay Packers elite. There's like a there's a ceiling that they seem to hit all the time. Um my favorite ceiling was the nineteen ninety eight playoff game, NFC title game. People forget uh a missed field goal by Mr. Uh Gary Anderson. But um yeah, Vikings. And that was that Falcons. was an all
1: timer for the Falcons, right? That's gotta be the best win in Franchise history, probably right, since they haven't won a Super Bowl. The win, the game to go to the Super Bowl, or blasting the uh, the Packers in that conference title game.
0: But um, yeah, that it, wasn't it, the conference title game. I think that was the that is was that right yeah that was like the is that the wild card or the divisional round it was the i think it was the first round I'm are you sure oh,
1: are you sure i think that was the nfc championship i was thinking that that went to the no because vic no. never went to the Super Bowl. no, no not with vic with matt ryan when oh yeah that was at home yes. yes yes yeah yes. that was last game in the history of the dome
0: yeah, I thought you were talking about when Vic went to Lambeau and beat the Packers yeah. for the first time in uh, Packers history. So that that was one first oh, yeah, home yeah. playoff loss in Packers history. Of, yeah,
1: a lot of Packers Falcons postseason. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but that, that was that was a difficult one. I think Arkansas. They're kind of in a in a weird spot there. I like um, that though. But yeah, well, well uh, in the last five years of Arkansas, it kind of throws things off a little bit because they're they've kind of been worse. Pre-Sam Pittman those last five years, that's probably their worst run of history, maybe ever. Like they were mm. with Houston Nutt and even under Bielema, like they had their they had some some decent years, but um we'll keep it moving. Um Auburn I have is the New York Giants. Hmm. So the reason I went with the Giants is because Auburn just seems to be mediocre and then Adam just randomly they're like the best team in the country like and that's where i feel like the giants are even the years they won the super bowl were they nine and seven like both of those years like they're just the history i think obviously the giants are one of the oldest like best traditions i think in the nfl and they got a lot of soup they have three championships in the last what 35 years or so so from that perspective they got more success than auburn but over the last I'd see recent history, they just seem they just seem like they have so many mediocre years and then randomly pop up and win two super Bowls. and if there's anyone that's as inconsistent as Auburn, it's that, that like yeah Auburn is that.
0: I think this is number two for me. I think this is right behind Pat's Bama so far this is these two are good i like I like this comparison and just kind of like cam too in the NFL where he he had that fifteen and one season, got at Super Bowl. He caught lightning in a bottle, NFL MVP, and that was it. Like he had his he had his run, kind of like what he did at Auburn, the all time great season where he literally carried the the Auburn Tigers to a national title game. If you go back and look at the numbers and how they won some of those games during that run, it was pretty preposterous. But um, yeah, no, I, I like that where they just they pop out like they're not the model of consistency they're not no. going to do they're not going to bad go years
1: t- or bad they're yes. real bad
0: <laughs> and a lot of drama a lot of drama tough market because we know that the New York media is, is tough it's tough to be the quarterback or be be, uh, be a New York giant uh, coach gm whoever you put up with a lot At auburn you put up with a lot so i like it
1: okay so the next one we got florida i went with the cowboys so I feel Ooh. like I feel like Florida in the nine. Florida's basically the sexiest team out there in the nineties. You know, Cowboys like the the run and gun, whatever. Um, what was the what was Spurrier's exact? I can't even fun and gun. There you go, mm-hmm. the fun and gun offense and everything. Like Florida was just as good as it got in the nineties and in the two thousands, the Urban Meyer era. But since then, they feel like this team that everyone constantly wants to be good. Like as soon as Florida's back, like, you know, they're back. And then we, we talk about them like they're one of the, they're the top teams in the sec because like they're that brand, they're that, that market or whatever, but it's been a while since they were actually really good. And so I thought, you know, Florida, obviously their last championship, they got 2006 and 2008. The Cowboys are, is way back in the nineties. It's not the exact same thing. But I feel like how much they're talked about ver- versus how good they actually are, in, I would say in recent history, I felt like those—that's how they matched up.
0: Also, just the unlikability factor there, where they kind of embrace being the villains. I think Florida does a good job There's of embracing arrogance, for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I like that, um, but they also just have like they're one of those programs where it's like so the cowboys have not obviously won in a long time and florida just has these high expectations still and this high sense of themselves and you're like well you had a lot of bad years like you you're discounting a lot of a lot of bad times around gainesville and cowboys fans are like we're still the most popular team in america and uh (laughs) like where i still
1: hear that america's
0: team i'm like
1: are they really the most popular team in america like i'm not i don't know many people that like the
0: cowboys I mean, I'm sure with the size and scope, like I don't even think it's America. It's probably globally. Like I, I would imagine a lot of folks across the world know the Cowboys That's brand, true. and if you're watching overseas, iconic. Could... Yeah, um, but yeah, no, I like that. I like that. Um, Danny Warfel and Troy Aikman sling it <laughs> the go. Does that they make... make
1: they got Emmett? Does that make Emmett Smith? Emmett Smith? Is that how that? It's true. Yeah.
0: You does that make Shane Matthews or uh, is? That...
1: Or is Tim Tebow
0: Troy Aikman? It's mm. a good question. I might throw Percy Harvin as a. Uh, I would say Tim Michael Tebow is Hervin. Roger Staubach. I would say he's Roger Staubach.
1: I could see that. Yeah, Spurrier. Spurrier might be Roger Staubach.
0: Mm. That's interesting tough.
1: as a player. Um, that's a, yeah, that's a tough, tough one. But um, who's
0: sexy Rexy? Who's who's Grossman and <laughs> Drew Henson? He's uh, Ch-
1: Quincy Tony Card- Romo. He's yeah. Tony Romo.
0: He is Tony Romo.
1: Um, it's funny because my buddy um, Rex Grossman's like his all-time favorite player. So shout out that's to it. Chase. He's all another Chase. Okay. Um, and keeping it's- it moving, uh, we Georgia. So Georgia's an interesting one. This one was tough for me, and I also wonder if Georgia didn't just win the national championship. I wonder who the comparison actually is. Like I think that's now we're talking about a forty-year championship drought. So I think it would be a much interesting conversation. Um, if that were the case, but so I started to say the Ravens, um, it's just a team that's just consistently really good and is known for defense, except for the two super bowls and and they also have like like I don't, they they're kind of a new team, you know, with the with leaving uh leaving Cleveland and everything so and just having two championships it felt like they didn't, they weren't as tortured of a fan base enough to be Georgia. So that's why I went with the Eagles because the Eagles seem like one of those teams who's always good, like always really good. Like I feel like growing up with the Donovan McNabb years and everything, like all the conference championships, but, but not being able to get to the championship. And then they finally get one in the last few years. Um, I thought that one was a, what fit pretty well. And just like a, a rabid fan base like people talk about georgia fans barking at children like we've all heard the stories of eagles fans booing santa claus and fighting fans of other teams so i felt like that one worked pretty well
0: interesting i um i tend to lean more you cuz i like when i first saw this i was like my instinct was ravens of uh, just the d- okay. the defense the the consistency the the Ed Reeds and the the Greg Blues and the hard hitting defense and Van Gorder and uh, Wink Martindale and just I and the uh, Rex Ryan. Like I, I do think there's a lot of a lot of crossover there. Um I also think he could have thrown out the Joe Flacco Super Bowl run was just the once in a lifetime type thing that uh, Stetson Bennett just did. But then I was also like, well Nick then, Foles Honestly just did in the Dilfer,
1: same. if you want to compare I think it's disrespectful to compare Stetson Bennett to Trent Dilfer. Um, like, uh, but Elliot tried to do a few weeks back or a few months back, but it's kind of that same type of thing that they won with their, they won with their quarterback, not being one of their best players. He wasn't mm-hmm. like, he wasn't bad. Like Trent Dilfer was Stetson Bennett, but he won, you won. And with the quarterback, yeah, just kind of, you know, doing, doing, we need to be done, but just a, a loaded roster around him and a ridiculous what? defense.
0: Yeah. And just kind of like the Eagles it was a one and done situation in Athens as well.
1: <laughs> we'll see. Who knows? That is the Nick Foles with, with Stetson Bennett being like kind of the backup that honestly mm-hmm. also kind of brings it together too. Yeah. Um. So this one was one of the, one of the last ones I came up with, but I was, uh, I was, I was satisfied with it. Kentucky. Uh, I have as the Cincinnati Bengals.
0: So okay. was this just geography.
1: Yeah. Right. They're <laughs> what a couple hours apart. I mean, um, historically, that, yeah. might maybe historically, they're both terrible. Mm. So, I feel like that's that you Kentucky had to be measured to someone who's just doesn't have good history, and that's where you have the Bengals. And then you talk about the last decade plus, Kentucky's a solid program, or pretty much since Andre Woodson. Like, I mean, you could probably like they were gimmicky and everything, the Howl Mummy offense and everything with Tim Couch, but they actually those Andre Woodson years and on, they seem to be like a more solidly built team. Like they're not running like this fluky offense anymore to kind of like hide their weaknesses. And I kind of compare that to how Cincinnati was with Andy Dalton, like hardly ever any good quarterback play, but pretty much a good defense, like year in and year out, like never won a postseason game or anything, but under oh Marvin Lewis, that was the coach, right? Like they were just a very solid team, and so I would feel like over the last fifteen years or so, they're they're a they're a respectable team. But basically, everything before that, they're just kind of trash. So I feel like that one worked pretty well.
0: Yeah, i I like this one too. This is good. I was surprised when you threw this out there. I didn't think I would end up agreeing with the majority of these, but i I do. I just. I don't know that like they do need that special quarterback though they need their own joe burrow um they hire rich king uh scangarello i forgot how to pronounce his last name but he's bounced around he's been oc at a couple different stops he runs the shanahan scheme so we'll see uh if there's much of a drop off from cohen to rich um in lexington i
1: almost, <clears throat> I almost did the chargers because hmm. like, dan fouts like i think they were like kind of one of the first teams to like really air it out and everything so it's kind of like how Kentucky did? That was really the one connection you could really find. And the Chargers have never won a Super Bowl, so Kentucky kind of needs to be one of those teams that hasn't really won much. But yeah, I feel like the Bengals that that fits too. I like um, it. <clears throat> and then keeping it moving, we got LSU. This was a tough one. I almost went the Ravens for LSU also because they're just there's a swagger about the Ravens and there's a swagger about LSU. They just they just constantly just are super talented teams. And it feels like, like like the Ravens hit on every single first round pick. It seems like, like from, from like 2000, like 98 to like 2010, like every single first round pick was a guy who was like a, a good starter for them. And LSU is just always, just always has like good playmakers, just super consistent but I felt like that doesn't necessarily give LSU enough credit for how good they've been for a while. So I feel like the Steelers is who I went with, with LSU just they're when they're good. They, they they're just a super intimidating team. Like they seem like, like that's kind of what it seems like when the Steelers are good, they're going to have to win a super bowl. And it kind of applies to the Ravens too, but that's how I feel with LSU. Like they've, like they're they're good every single year, but when they're t- when they have one of their best teams, it's it's always one of the best teams in the country.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't hate that either. Um, I do think with LSU and the Pittsburgh name, I think the cross the one difference is like Pittsburgh is stable the thing I would push back is like yeah. Pittsburgh is just like a stable group and Rooney's had that thing humming and it's like Tomlin's going to be there a decade cowers going to be there a decade. They don't go through a lot of coaches. Um, they don't go through a lot of quarterbacks. Um, LSU is just like chaos and a revolving door. But I think the expectations and the brand is strong. I think the brand is probably the thing I would identify most with where it's like, it's cool to be an LSU tiger and you know, the yellow yeah. helmets in that, and it's cool to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. Like, there's something cool it's about true. it. It's true.
1: Like, like, from a, someone who doesn't really have an NFL team, and I hear the Cowboys, I'm like, mm-hmm. fuck the Cowboys. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? It's just like, it's just something, even if you don't have an opinion on the NFL, you have an opinion that you kind of dislike this team. I, I You hear the Steelers? Like, who has a problem with the Steelers? It's like they are just like a <laughs> class organization that does everything the right way. They mm-hmm. honestly seem a little more like Alabama, especially because they have the old history Plus recent championships, but the Belichick and the Belichick and Saban comparisons are, are, are too much to ignore. But yeah, so I went Steelers. You, you like the Steelers on that one?
0: I'll go with it, but I think that one I probably am, am the least sold on. Just because yeah. of the stability. I can't shake the stability aspect of it.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. That's uh, the culture for sure. That's a, definitely a huge oh. difference. And the Steelers' old history is way better than LSU's old history. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is one, one of the last ones I came up with too, that I was really satisfied with. So Mississippi state is the Arizona Cardinals. Ooh, so okay. historically they're basically just so mediocre, right? Like just That's being
0: kind, I would say. Yeah. bad the majority yeah. of mississippi state has been bad like yeah just a- pretty
1: much and they basically in recent history have had one good season you had that mm-hmm. 2014 year of Dak prescott you got the kurt warner year where they lose the steelers in the super bowl and to quote tory Tori before has said like when i say the arizona cardinals she's like i forgot that team even existed <laughs> and that's how i feel like when we were talking about the sec wins uh like when we we're to breaking down teams schedules we're all we're counting mississippi state as automatic win every time and it's like mississippi state's like a decent team they're gonna win some games but we just we just forget about them and they just seem like the most forgettable team in the sec we- in the sec and that's who the arizona cardinals are they're they're just Yeah, they're just (laughs) you just forget about them. Like they're at least more exciting now with Kyler Murray, but um, but yeah, that I I liked that one.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I mean, not a great history. Obviously, Uh, they had the Kurt Warner run, which is great, but by and large, it doesn't. It feels like they're going to need a miracle to win a title, and I think that's the same Mississippi State, where it's like if they actually do win a Super Bowl or win a national title, we're like, what in the world just happened. And you also know that it's a one-time deal. Like there's no dynasty building or anything like that, or just like, they're going to be one of the biggest, most iconic brands in the NFL or in the sec. That's never going to happen. Um, no, I like that one. I like that one. And we do forget about, I mean, look at the NFC West right now, like the Rams with Stafford, uh, the Seahawks just traded Russell Wilson. And then, uh, the niners um just going back to back uh nfc title games and everything like that but or off so hold on no garoppolo went two of three excuse me two of three and uh the nfc title games but uh yeah no i like that one i like that one dan
1: Mullen era is the uh is the bruce arians era i guess oh i don't know i'm just throwing it out there
0: (laughs) He's, he's hanging out i'm surprised he hasn't uh he hasn't taken another job or some kind of analyst role. That guy is hanging out.
1: Wait, he's coach of Tampa Bay.
0: No, I'm talking about uh Dan Mullen.
1: Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, I'll be interested to see where he ends
0: up. Um we're gonna get a mo- lake picture of him and Matt Luke in one of the Georgia lakes. Like they're gonna <laughs> just be hanging out.
1: Yeah, he's got a house where off was it, Lake Coney. I think so. Um and all right, we'll keep it uh we'll keep it moving. Um, enough Dan Mullen talk for podcast. <laughs> <talking. laughs> no. Um, so Missouri, this is a tough one. I went with the Texans. So okay. part of it is, you know, Missouri just, just moved to the SEC. The Texans are an expansion team. There's not a lot of history there. Obviously, Missouri had a team before joining the SEC. Um, but if you just – like if you look at them the, in recent history, they've had a couple years – where they've had a solid team. You look at the Chase Daniel years, you look at the the years of Michael Sam, those couple of years where they won the SEC East. And that's about it. And then there's a lot of just other uh, mediocre years. And so that's basically what we've seen with the Texans. Like they've had their years with Deshaun Watson. I think even Matt Schaub was on a couple of good teams. And and then they're also a team that's had the number one pick a few times because they've just been a pretty bad franchise. So, I, um, that was a tough one. I wasn't super sold on that one, but, um, but yeah, I felt like they went together pretty well.
0: Yeah. I like this one, uh, especially like they're just, when they're good, they're consistently okay. We're like, they're, they're fine. Like when they were winning the AFC South a couple years in a row, Bill O'Brien, you're like, this is, this is okay. But we're still not like, this is not humming to an extent where it's like, oh, this is, they're really building something here. Um, yeah, no drink. What's like, we like him a little bit. Uh, we, we like him. He, he he's okay. They're just, they're just hanging out. They're just, you don't really have a strong take. I think that's the best comparison It's like, I don't have a strong feeling about the Texans. Like I don't have a strong emotional investment in having it. Well, and particular- yeah. And
1: on along that point too, it's like, these traditional rivals that just exist, like, who dislikes the Texans?
0: They don't like, have a rival. Yeah, they're new. The they're...
1: Titans, I guess the Titans don't like the Texans. Like, I don't know. The Cowboys they don't even care about the Texans. You right. know,
0: like, it's the madman so who,
1: Who's mad at Missouri? Like, Arkansas, Missouri, I'm all for it. You guys make that a rivalry if you want. but um, The just Texans no one, walk... No one dislikes Missouri.
0: No. Like, it would just be such a... I would love to meet a Tennessee fan. It's just like, I, I hate Columbia. Like, I just... I hate the Tigers. I hate Mizzou. I will say they did the cringiest thing. A lot of Tennessee fans were pretty upset about that. cringe. Do you remember where they were like in the water? This was the COVID year where they did that player who was like running around the, um the Creek. Do you remember this hype uh, video uh, ahead of the Tennessee game? And of course we in like the- in uniform. Yes.
1: That does sound kind of familiar. Now that you say that, I, but I don't, I don't remember. Tennessee fans did that. not like it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um but yeah that did not go over well so I I imagine there are some Tennessee fans who don't take kindly to Mizzou but I don't know I I, I like that one where are we going next
1: all right next um this was another tough one Ole Miss mm-hmm. so I started to go with the Raiders because there's just like Ole Miss just seems like I the love real, the Raiders for them shit talkers like but but the Raiders also kind of feel like they have too much good tradition to be Ole Miss like hmm. Multiple Super Bowl – or I think they have multiple Super Bowls. Um, And they've also just – they've been a fairly consistent team, you know, under Gruden, I guess. Um, There's been some bad years for the Raiders too, obviously. So I started to say the Raiders, but I went with the Dolphins because Mm -hmm. the Dolphins just seem like just all flash and, like, no substance. And that's what I kind of feel like with Ole Miss, that it's like – like this Lane Kiffin offense. It's like exciting to watch. Like these are like their best teams they've had. It's like, they've, they had Hugh freeze. Like they have their years. They make recruiting splashes and things like that, but they, they don't seem to have like the consistency to like stay good. And I also feel like when you think old miss, you think Archie Manning, which was like 50 years ago, <laughs> and the dolphins are still clinging to the 72 undefeated team. So hard. Like, it's been a, Speak for like, yourself. I think it's like, swag, Kelly. Dan Marino, like, was the greatest. Bo oh, Wallace. Dan Marino is one of the greatest of all time, and he made a Super Bowl like his rookie year or something, right? First or second year, and then mm-hmm. never went back. So, like, to have a lot of oh, we got a puppy dog here.
0: She's been. I don't know if you could hear her, but she's been whining for like the last thirty minutes. So I just picked her up. She won't whine if I'm, I'm holding <laughs> oh, nice. her. But yes, but yeah, she makes her have Yeah,
1: a, a lot of a lot of years where the Dolphins have just been kind of an irrelevant. Franchise, but they're still like they still attract free agents. Like I don't know, they're like they still have like a flashiness to them, but they just man, they're just not really. I mean, where's the last time they were a good team? Like, they were like, have they won a playoff game anytime in recent history? Like Ricky Williams, like were they winning any playoff games? Maybe Lamar. Say who's when- it? Lamar Jackson, not Lamar Jackson. Um, Lamar Smith.
0: I don't know who you're talking Running
1: about. Running back, it was like with like Jay Fiedler, like back in the day.
0: Not Ronnie Brown, because Ronnie Brown and Ricky Williams had some Before success. When they were Brown, doing, yeah. Um, also, the coolest visor, that orange visor back in the day. Sick. That that Love the Ronnie Brown. Uh, Chad Pennington was probably. I think Chad Henney had a little bit of a blip there with him and Ted Ginn, uh, but I don't think they won a playoff game or anything during that era. I'm trying to think when the last time it. I want to say they won a playoff game with with pennington but i could be wrong but jay fielder's really going back i'm i'm having <laughs> yeah. to think about that that's jason taylor zach thomas i don't remember who yeah was that's, in the back that's that era for oh sure. chris chambers chris chambers was a wide out for them at that time yeah i want to say oh uh, uh,
1: ronde gadson
0: yes oh Orlando's Gary randy, was a running back. randy mcmichael uh randy mcmichael Let's remember so, some Dolphins.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that was, uh, that's my era right there for remembering some, uh, some, some dol or team like the Dolphins playing Madden all the time. But um, yeah. So you like, the, do you like the Dolphins more than the Raiders?
0: I think the more I th- was thinking about it, I think LSU is the Raiders. I think LSU is mm. the Raiders where it's like, it's cool. It's dysfunctional, but it's cool. There is something cool. You, you never, like, there's a lot of craziness that goes on. There's a swagger that you have to have if you're the quarterback at LSU um you just have to be kind of a different kind of coach you got to be kind of weird like gruden and brian kelly like a lot of just like the
1: recent championships is the only thing Mm -hmm. that would throw that off just with lsu three championships in the last true 15 20 years but a lot of that i do a lot i do like how a lot of that matches up with lsu
0: yeah and oakland and the bayou a lot of crossover there and personality types (laughs)
1: well now vegas it's yeah that's even its own like destination whatever you want to whatever you want to call it yeah um but yeah we'll keep it moving uh south carolina i have as the atlanta falcons don't so like it next i'm sure as a falcons fan you're not
0: crazy about don't this like one. it bottom of the list
1: so basically the falcons are one of the worst franchises in nfl history right you can probably safely say that like historically they're just pre pre, pre dan reeves they're just awful and so that's that's 1960 what 1966 to like first 30 years or so. They're just completely irrelevant, I think. Um and then basically the mid 2000s, you got the Vic years, obviously those there weren't a lot of the Vic years that that went well. So they had that little little hiccup in between the Vic and Matt Ryan years. Mm-hmm. But and then under Matt Ryan like that's a it's a really consistently good program. And I think that's what I would compare the spurrier years, you know, 05 to 2014 or so. Like, that's a solid decade of being like, you know, one of the better teams in the SEC, at least a tough out year in and year out, you know. And I think South Carolina was very consistent and the Falcons were. I mean, that, that Matt Ryan's like second or third year was the first time they ever had back to back winning seasons, right? Like, so, and then I feel like we may have seen, we we may have seen the best era of Falcons football. It seems like we've already ended the golden era, which was for the Falcons much better than South Carolina. They obviously never got to a national championship or anything, but they did get their one SEC championship appearance. It's like the Falcons got, they obviously had the Super Bowl with the Broncos, but they got that Super Bowl with the Patriots. Never actually won them. And now it seemed like they missed their window, and now they're going to kind of go back to what they always were. That's where I. That's where I see the South, South Carolina comparison.
0: South Carolina is probably the toughest for me in the SEC. Like I understand why you want the Falcons; they're a tough one. Because I was thinking about it, and I'm like, hey, actually, the Browns you could sell me on um, some some Browns vibes there. Um, I just think we need to make sure that we're associating them with losers and traditional losers um, and teams that cannot win a. Win a national title, and the Falcons can win a Super Bowl. They're, it would not surprise us if the Falcons. Well, but win that's a Super why
1: Bowl. it's weird. It's it's these comparisons do get tough because like any NFL team can win a championship. No, they can't.
0: Know? No, no. There's some <laughs> that like the Detroit Lions. We will die. Maybe,
1: maybe one. That's yeah. That's fair, but it's like there's just so much parody in the NFL. You can go from having the number one pick in the draft, the Cincinnati Bengals, to being in the Super Bowl two years. Later, True, you know, it's so we just see you see a lot of that, and just the the parody that is the NFL. So I'm sure the Falcons will be back. It, it's hard, and especially South Carolina's pre Lou Holtz history, like is real. It's really bad. Like I think they tore down the goalpost after beating like who was it like New Mexico state or something in like 2000 because they, they had like a 20 something game losing
0: streak. So South well, Carolina. To be Pol- fair, it's it's not every day that you can beat the Aggies in your home stadium. <laughs> it's not every day.
1: I, I hope I'm getting that right. I could be wrong. Maybe a
0: South Carolina fan will, will correct me, but who um, did Sabin lose to? Is that New Mexico state too? Who was that bad loss? Uh, UL Monroe. UL Monroe. First year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Kirby's was who? It was Kirby's.
1: Well, Kirby lost to Vanderbilt, but he almost lost to Vanderbilt State. That's like, right. Georgia beat State. is who I was thinking by like of. Yes. one or two or something that year. That's
0: awesome. um happier times. Yeah. yeah,
1: but um we'll keep it moving. Um Tennessee, I like this one a lot. I don't um, like this one. I'm going to push back on it. Washington Commanders, formerly the Redskins. Um, I feel like this one fit because if you stack up the Redskins or Washington football teams history with everyone in the NFL, like they're they're one of the best franchises in the NFL. Like what, like three, three Super Bowls? Maybe four. I think I think you have three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks. And so Tennessee, you stack up their history with everyone in the SEC, I think I think they might have the second most wins all time behind Alabama. I think they have more wins than Georgia. So Tennessee is right there historically. It's just been a really long time since they actually competed for anything really. So I feel like that's the modern history like Redskins have haven't been consistently bad in the last 10, 15, 20 years but they've never really gotten anywhere close to a championship but but they still are in that like 6 to 8 wins every year they kind of seem like that team and so I feel like that's where Tennessee is they obviously had their bad years but they just have a lot of a lot of mediocre years in the last 15, 20 years
0: I would have gone Packers Packers, Packers. Yeah, you, like it's You a,
1: wish, sir.
0: Well, no, the Packers, they've won, what, one title since Aaron Rodgers has been there? Um Tennessee's... Well, that's, mm-hmm.
1: I mean, they have four Super Bowls, though.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So you got, Park, like, the,
1: they're, like, the oldest history and they're also, like, still, like, consistently one of the best teams over the last 30 years, too.
0: But fan base, the stadium, there's not a better stadium in, in the SEC than Neyland. There's yeah, not a better stadium. There's not a better stadium than Lambeau. Diehard fans, similar structured stadiums too. I can similar you, structures. I could, I could,
1: uh, I could dig you on that one.
0: But I do get what you're saying with the old success and what Washington was in the 20th century versus what they've been, and we don't have a Dan Snyder uh, looming over the University of Tennessee. But uh, there are some <laughs> boosters and just the chaos, like the coaching search with Greg Ciano and stuff like that. Um, what happened there years ago, and and the turnover, and the McDonald's bag incident feels like something that would happen to a Washington football team. That does seem like <laughs> That's something true. that, um, so yeah, I, 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 I hate that. I, I could see what you're saying a little bit, but, um, I think in, in the next few years, we'll be looking at them in a similar way to the new England Patriots, but where are you going? Next?
1: <laughs> I mean, if you get it's the consistency, were you serious about the packers let's be honest were you i think it's
0: more the fan base and the the stadium the colors like the traditional orange and white like the uniform tradition and then just the helmets and the orange and white the checkerboard with lambo i think it's just more of like that there's just something yes there's something majestic about Nealon's coliseum and there's something you just are walking into history and it's just so old and it feels like an old structure around it and, and everything just it seems very um well preserved and i think the packers do a really good job of making it seem like it's still very much well preserved it's also the fan base where it's like the packers are owned by the fans and i think tennessee in a lot of ways is a prisoner of their fan base <laughs> um so i think there are some crossovers
1: Yeah, I could see, I could see some of that. I just feel like the, the consistency of just like Favre to Rogers, just like, that's like the last, what, 30 years. They've had two quarterbacks and they've just been a contender for like 30 years. They're almost closer to Alabama.
0: Hold on. Brent Schaefer to Rick Clausen Doesn't uh, (laughs) Eric Ainge, Um, (laughs) Eric Ainge and Tyler Bray. Why not? So
1: not so much, Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so I thought that one was pretty solid um, This is another one you could convince me otherwise. I start, so Texas A&M, I started to say the Cowboys, obviously the Texas connection and the, the hype. There just seems to be so much hype around A&M. It's kind of more of a recent phenomenon and same with the Cowboys. So I felt like because it was too recent, that's why I went with Texas A&M being the Browns. So, I feel like people always talk about how it's like a cult like fan base that AM has, right? Like mm-hmm. Cleveland Browns is, is there a more passionate fan base in the NFL than the Cleveland Browns? Part of you just knows they're passionate because how bad their team is like green Bay fans. If their team was bad, they'd probably still show up too, but we know the Cleveland's been bad and their fans just continue to show up. We just respect that. So I, but I feel like, as kind of tortured of a fan base like there isn't a tortured fan base like i guess we we might be saying georgia's like the browns if they hadn't won the that, that, uh, national championship recently because it is such a tortured fan base but to, but they've had some consistently they've had some consistency as well you know what i mean so they're a tough team they're a tough team to to pinpoint because before you know leaving for Baltimore and then becoming a franchise expansion franchise, Cleveland was a super consistent organization. So they're, a, they're a tough team to compare to. I guess I'm more comparing it to recent years. The fact that AM hasn't won national championship since was like 1931 or something like they're almost like a hundred years since their last championship. The Browns have never won a super bowl. I know. I think they won an NFL championship back in the day. So it's been like a long time since they actually, you know, got to the top of the mountain and then the hype in recent years feels kind of hollow like like we we, we, we want them to be good we've, we've hyped up Baker Mayfield and these these star-studded teams they've had and they just seem to just fizzle out and that's what kind of the Kevin Sumlin era feels like like they were sexy but they it doesn't matter how how they start or how they start the season, they're gonna finish eight and five. Like that's just that's what they do so many years. And we've seen the one year with Jimbo in twenty twenty of I don't know how many games that they ended up playing, but either ten and one, eleven and one, however many games they played. So you you saw a one loss season, but more more times than that, AM is is a four or five loss team, and they're not even though the fan base desperately wants it and they're as passionate as it gets, it feels like they're they just end up kind of around the same place of good and nothing, nothing special.
0: I like that. I was torn like on a middle ground. Like I think they have some charger in them and they have some chiefs in them where it's like arrowhead and Kyle field, huge rockin strong fan base. They always kind of have a little bit of a loser mentality though, where the chiefs really went through it for a really long time. Like you said, like the chiefs played in the first super bowl, um from a long time ago no one's ever questioned the fan base but it's also just like when the oxmith years you're starting to get better because you didn't have a quarterback for 20 years like they just didn't have anybody outside of trent green and then you get you look into uh patrick mahomes and now it's like oh it's rocking like we see what it looks like when it's firing on all cylinders when you get the right quarterback in there and you're like oh this is like a college atmosphere when you're watching a chiefs game i think that's what it's gonna be like with AM. if jimbo if one of these three quarterbacks is the right heisman type guy we're going to be like, oh man, AM is rocking and this is wild to watch. Uh, but they also have some Chargers in them where it's like, yeah, hey, like we every year, we're like, the Chargers have talent everywhere, man. Like the Chargers. Have you seen Derwin James in the, in the secondary? Dude, can play. Remember Jason Verrett? Like that corner, we talked ourselves into him. Like, you know, Justin Herbert, he's got a cannon. Justin Herbert, let me tell you, you know, this the most underrated quarterback in football? Philip Rivers. This is the year Philip Rivers breaks through. I, I like some Philip Rivers stuff. And you just, every year, it's something different. And you're like, I like what they're doing. Like, no one's ever been like, what are the Chargers doing? What what are we what are we doing here? What, what? they're just spinning their wheels. You're always like talking yourself into them before every year. We're always talking ourselves into Jimbo Fisher and A and M. Like even some of the Sumlin years, we're like, this could happen. Like this is A and M. This should work. Like what a great recruiting uh, off season by A and M. Like this this is awesome. They're going to be great. And then they go eight and five again. You're like oh my God, and then you're just so frustrated and you just take a couple months off and you're like, you look at that roster again, you're like, you know, look at that. Look at what they've added on the edge. Look at that offensive line. Look at that. And then you're just, you get caught up in uh, the pizzazz all over again. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I could see that. The Chargers, I thought of the Chargers a couple of times when I was trying to make some of these comparisons. They're such a difficult team to compare to because they feel like they've been one of the better teams in recent history, and especially the Marty Schottenheimer years, like LT, like they were actually like legit one of the best teams in the league there for like a four or five year period, just didn't win a Super Bowl. So I and then Phillip Rivers, they just kind of gave them a consistency for a long time. They they were a tough team. I never ended up actually putting them as the comparison for anybody, but I could see that a little bit because they're AM, there still feels like there's a level of underachieving that goes with the chargers and AM. like they're not getting the most out of the talent and they can get big time talent so i can i can get with you on that one
0: mm. okay there we go
1: there we go where are we going next and then the uh, the last one is probably this the is the most obvious one yeah Vanderbilt is the lions because they're just the worst <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it they're just they're the only reason they're not the lions is because the lions desperately want to be good mm-hmm. and Vanderbilt fans don't even care. Like they don't even, I guess if there's only, um I guess if we could compare it to like a team that had like a dynasty in a different sport, <laughs> but so like the city was good with your other team. They just didn't care about their football team. That that would probably be, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head um but yeah you just had to go with the lions because they're there's like we said there's like one team that feels like they can't win a super bowl like and that's the lions and vanderbilt's never won in the sec so yeah that was an easy one
0: that's the thing is like i still posit that vanderbilt should leave and that is not like a shot at Vanderbilt but like if you're a Vanderbilt like what is the point of being a Vanderbilt football fan there is no point like even if you have a little bit of those James Franklin type years it's not sustainable he's not staying like if you do well at Vanderbilt you're out of there like you're moving like Clark Lee if he's good Clark Lee develops really well guess what he's on his way to like back to Notre Dame or Wisconsin or wherever like he's out of there um I don't know. There's just nothing to root for because there's no chance of sustainable success. The academic requirements will never allow it like it's just not going to happen. Um, you're just up against it recruiting wise. So there's just no reason to do it. And I, I just look at it. And I'm like, if you were an ACC team, if you were Virginia of the ACC, like Vanderbilt could have a lot more fun if they left the conference, but because they're so good at baseball, I guess that's why you want to stay in it. But I mean, the ACC is a good baseball conference, but I just look at it as like, if I'm Vanderbilt or I'm a fan, I I want out of this. I want to, I want to be relegated. And then you put, I think like what I would do is I would put Florida state or Georgia tech and for Vanderbilt and kick Vanderbilt out. And that would make this conference a lot more fun too. the East would be a lot more fun because like it's Vanderbilt literally serves one purpose, one purpose in uh, the state of Tennessee. And that is to get the next Tennessee coach fired. Because if you lose to Vanderbilt, you're out. That's literally your, their whole purpose is like, they're playing to get rid of the next Tennessee coach. So um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like I, well, we've even seen
1: like Northwestern and,
0: but then the big Stanford.
1: 10 like Northwestern is like, they were awful, obviously before the nineties, like one of the worst programs in the history of the sport, but since Pat Fitzgerald played there and now since he's coached there, like they've at least had like their, their, you know, come ups, like they're just, their years where they're respectable, where they make the big 10 championship, where they, they played in a Rose bowl. Like they, at least their fan base seems to be fans of football. Like they, (laughs) they seem to actually care. Like you, you see a Friday night game, Thursday night game in, uh, at Northwestern, you're like, oh, you know, this could this could be a tricky game. This could be a trap game. Like, you've never thought that about Vanderbilt that this could be a trap game. Oh, they're going to be looking. It's a short week. Like, no, they're just. It doesn't matter. Like, we could bring out our second string. Or we're going to be Vanderbilt. So, I don't know what it is. Like, maybe they they just have to find their Pat Fitzgerald. I don't I don't know if a guy that actually wants to stay for a decade plus. But I don't know. It's like like you said. I don't. I'm not really sure why they. Why they enjoy just continuing to be in the conference. Like it would be it'd be cool to see uh, Florida State or uh, uh a, a Miami, a North Carolina or something join the SEC instead of
0: Vanderbilt. Absolutely. All right, Matt Green. I think that does it, right? We did it. All sixteen teams. Fourteen rather. Fourteen me. teams. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah I thought teams. it was good. It, yeah, it was tough there's some teams out there that like we obviously didn't use cause we only had 14 instead of 30 teams and 32 teams in the NFL. But uh yeah, the chiefs is another one like Georgia. Like I wonder, like in the last couple years, their comparison just changed so much. Cause you can't, it's hard to compare anybody to the chiefs cause they don't have Patrick Mahomes and they don't have what the chiefs are today.
0: So I could see Tennessee,
1: you know, if they, uh, if they Nico, go on
0: a good run, Nico's coming, we want Nico.
1: If, if Tennessee over the next decade won a national championship and they had like an exciting offense and stuff like that, I could see a chief's comparison there because the history is they have as good a history and then they have the passionate fan base and everything. But the, the recent success is uh, is eluding them.
0: The Brock There's Bowers like- being ahead of uh Hendon hooker and the he- Did you see the Heisman odds list today? I did see some. Is it on three that had? Yeah, been? I did see that. I was glad to see Brock Bowers get some love. What are we doing? There, no tight ends ever winning the Heisman. That is such a weight. Like if you're throwing any money towards I mean, tight end, what?
1: Why, why can't a, why can't a tight end win the Heisman?
0: Who's doing it? Tell me who.
1: I mean, Kyle Pitts. You could argue that Kyle Pitts is the best player in college football that never
0: year. had a shot of winning the Heisman. I agree with you. Didn't I mean, have what, a shot. Was he,
1: top five finishing the Heisman. Like, Tra- he was,
0: no, hold on. Kyle Trask finished a- ahead of him. Didn't he not?
1: oh trask was in the at the ceremony
0: but yeah it's kyle not happening to
1: be up there but kyle and honestly is kyle you're trask throwing money a better player than kyle pitts i mean i understand like that's what the award is the quarterback yeah. award but like there's not one person in the world that thought kyle trask was a better player than kyle pitts like why was he like kyle pitts was the guy that's why he went third fourth what was he go, fourth overall fifth overall i think that's what so. falcon said and Kyle Trask went in the third round, like so. It's obviously it's not the, the end all, be all what their NFL uh, success was, but it's it's time for a change. Devontae Smith on the Heisman. If Brock Bowers is the number one receiver on Georgia and he's got seventy catches for twelve hundred yards and fifteen touchdowns, like the guys, the guys a, a Heisman candidate. Like I don't, I don't care what position you want to call him. I'm not, I'm not predicting Brock Bowers to do those things, but. He's clearly uh, one of the better playmakers in in college football. He's he's gonna be a preseason first team All American, so he's not just a regular
0: tight end. I'm not saying that. I just until I uh, I'll believe when I see it that a tight end is gonna win the Heisman Trophy. No,
1: I'm sure he won't. But um, and like, he's a of Hinden
0: Hooker, and like Hinden, and you're, Hinden Hooker, yeah, you're not
1: gonna get nearly good enough odds either if you're
0: if he's Hinden the, Hooker it, is the odds the right now. Yeah, if if Tennessee goes if they win double digit games, Hooker is a good bet. Hooker is worth throwing money at, but if it was a couple games, it's they. You just have to win too many games to be in the Heisman conversation, and I just you have to beat Florida. You have to be close, and you, you I probably
1: like he has to be Georgia. I was going to say Hooker, he has to be Georgia. If if they have to play in the SEC championship,
0: yeah, and Hooker to actually
1: win the Heisman, like he could put up huge stats and get invited to the ceremony, finish top five or something, just based off numbers. But if he's actually going to win it, he would have to be. They'd have to at least be in the SC championship, I think.
0: Yeah. All right, Matt Green. Well, I'm hungry. I need to go eat at some point today. Yes, sir. I, I, um, and the dog, Clace the Dog, who made her first video podcast appearance. Um, <laughs> I just I guess it's time for another walk, little girl. I don't know. Um, but was Zeus and Maddox in the in the frame today or were they away? No, they're not. They're out of the they're out of the studio this time. Out of the studio. Matt Green, we can find you on twitter.com, Matt underscore underscore green. And uh yeah, keep up with him just choosing violence on twitter.com and other people's <laughs> college football mentions. Um yeah, there you Can go. You check
1: out my twice-baked potato video on YouTube. Yeah,
0: <laughs> do that. That is a good I mean, it was good and made me hungry. It was it was a good one. I'm might have to try it out with the the sports renaissance woman. But Matt Green, always do a pleasure. We'll uh we'll figure out what our next theme is next week, but uh it's fun. We need to get back into the throwback Thursdays. Uh, very soon watching some old college football tape so we'll get it back into that soon as well but matt green always a pleasure and i will talk to you next week yes sir all right we're back here on the chase most podcast where i am now joined by the newest head football coach at meadow creek high school a high school that I grew up maybe five minutes from me. I, I like it's really close. I don't think a lot of people realize just how close. Right uh, around Portview High School, it really is right around the corner. But uh, hometown, Lilburn, Georgia, Coach Todd Wofford's here. Coach, how are you doing, sir? Uh,
2: doing great. Uh, thanks for having me on.
0: What are you most excited about when it comes to taking over the Meadow Creek football program at this point?
2: Well, I mean, it's it's actually a couple of things. Um, you know, we actually, uh, I've been at Collins Hill the last two years and we actually scrimmaged them, um, this fall, this past fall, uh, preseason scrimmage. And it's just ironic that, you know, I was just looking at the talent that I thought they had. Um, and you know, it's, you know, they had a lot of length, they had a lot of size, um, you know, just ironic, you know, so then, you know, it came open and, um, you know, again, it. I had the flashbacks. You know, and it's you know coming off a of state championship. Um, you know, kind of having that head coaching itch again, and um, you know, I kind of like to be in you know a situation where I can kind of develop talent and um, you know develop players and whatnot. And I thought it would be a great fit. Um, you know, I'm extremely excited about it since I've been here for these last couple months. That you know how the kids have responded to the you know different things, new schemes, new you know, terminology, new culture, new mindset. And, you know, they've been responding, you know, really well. So, um, you know, I think, you know, the, the the new guys on the staff that I'm bringing in, they're excited about it. You know, we're all kind of, you know, daily, you know, we do our after-school workouts, you know, I know I do. We, we walk away kind of impressed with, you know, the attitudes and everything else that we've seen and how the guys have grown from the very first day till yesterday, as a matter of fact
0: how hard was it to leave Collins Hill, especially coming off a state title win and just the, the kind of dominance
2: that you got to enjoy there at Collins Hill it, this past year, it, this past year was, it was amazing. Uh, it was a great run. Um, you know, you, you're going to always carry, you know, a lot of those things and those traits that we, you know, we, we built the last couple of years over there. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to repeat. You know, that, you know, I've been a a part of some really good staff, some really good teams. And, you know, I compared it a lot to, you know, it was 09 Gainesville uh, when I was up there with Blake Sims and TJ Jones and AJ Johnson. And we were like loaded. (laughs) But this was a whole like a whole new level of dominance where, you know, people don't realize because, you know, if you didn't really follow us, we never lost anything from summertime you know, we, you know, I've done, we do it a we do, you know, we always, you know, everybody does seven on sevens. We never lost a game of seven on seven <laughs> uh, against anybody. And we played in like four tournaments. We had, um, OTAs, different places, never lost the OTA. You know, the freshmen didn't lose the JV didn't lose. And obviously, you know, we went, you know, 15 and zero. and, you know, varsity. So, uh, like I said, it was a really, really good run. And, you know, like I said, you know, as you go on, you know, you get that itch, um, You know, to go back and do your thing. So, you know, it was it was, you know, difficult, but not at the same time. It was a huge, you know, a huge senior class, you know, because you know, it's kind of like, you know, talking to Sam and Travis, they were going out at the same time. So, you know, you know, it was it was kind of like, you know, the right time to, you know, at the same time.
0: Uh, what can I do to get Sam to flip back to Tennessee? Uh, what can, uh, as a Tennessee grad student here in Tennessee, super fan, I gotta, I gotta know what, uh, what can we do there?
2: Well, you know, Hey, the mm-hmm. biggest thing everybody's got to do is, um, you know, sit back and watch the kid play baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, cause he is an amazing baseball player. You know, he, he kind of injured his, uh, knee when we we're out in Las Vegas playing in that game. Um, and you know, he just, actually last week kind of got back started with baseball and, mm-hmm. and you know, he's a big time pitcher, but he is crunching it batting. Mm-hmm. too. So um, that, that's what, that, you know, that's what everybody needs to keep an eye on right there. But um, you know, I, you know, Sam's an a incredible kid. Um, you know, he, he is a, you know, such a competitor. That's why it doesn't matter if it's football, baseball, or if it was basketball, which he claims he would be, <laughs> you know, on the basketball court too. But mm-hmm. uh, He's just a competitor, you know, he, and he was, you know, really fun to be around for the last couple of years.
0: What, uh, because you have a wide receiver background as well, like Travis Hunter, when you watch the film on Travis, it's just, I, he's not playing the same game. Like, it, it's not yeah. fair. It was not fair watching him, even in the state title game, and just... He's so twitchy. He's so fast. He's so smart. Like he's, he's so good at finding just these openings. You're just like, I don't understand how this guy is finding these little areas in zone coverage where he just, he's open. Like he is somehow wide open and then pulling him down in space where he's not a big dude at this point, but you get on the college meal plan and the, the just what he's going to be able to have his disposal at Jackson state. And Dion's going to take care of him on that front. Um, I don't know. Like what, what popped for you originally with him? Like, did you know that this kid's going to be special and the number one kid in the in the in in his class?
2: Well, let me, let me, you know, preface this by saying, you know, like you said, I, I've coached a lot of, you know, in my career, some of the best receivers mm-hmm. that's ever played in the state of Georgia and, and some of the best players. He is a combination of all of them, regardless of position, rolled into one kid. You know, and I'd heard, you know, when I first came over, I heard a lot about this kid, this Travis Hunter kid um and you know freaky athlete and all that kind of thing and then when i actually put eyes on him i said no way not I mean, <laughs> you know in junior year he was you know he was skinny you know he not that he swole all up but he, he was really skinny and mm-hmm. then first practice i knew i mean he is a like i said a combination of all the great you know the best players that i've coached the best players i've seen he you know What separates him is how much film he watches. All right. That's the little things that people don't realize that the things he does thats God given is is off the charts. But a lot of times guys that have that type of talent, you know, kind of relax and just, you know, use that talent and, you know, kind of lazy or whatnot because they know they can turn it on, whatever he studies film, you know. Again, like some of the best players I ever coached, like again, AJ Johnson still in the league right now with the Broncos. He used to study film right and left, um, you know, more than any other kid. And then, you know, but Travis probably watching more than him. Hmm. Again, he's anything. And he, and you got to think, put that in perspective too. He's watching it from two different points of view. He's watching it from as a DB, and he's watching it as a receiver. Mm-hmm. So, you know, most everybody else is watching it, you know, for whatever their singular position is, and he's watching it going two ways. So he knew exactly what the other offense was doing and he knew what the defense (laughs) was trying to do against him. So, I mean, he's just a, he's a rare, rare breed of athlete because he, you know, started point guard on the basketball team. Um, You know, anytime we did running and conditioning out there, you know, we've got, we had some fast kids. Didn't matter who the fastest kid was supposed to be. If they went against Travis, Travis would, you know, play with him for a while. And then before he got to the finish line, kick in this sixth gear that he has and win because, you know, he is a competitor. He didn't want to lose at anything. And in practice, you know, he makes all these spectacular plays in the games that everybody goes crazy about. But I promise you, he made those kind of plays plus things you guys never saw at practice every day. And that's, you know, being, you know, old school kind of guy, I'm, you know, I'm big on, you know, catch the ball with two hands and all this kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. he broke me from harping on that because he would practice all the one-handed catches. Hmm. And, and at first I'm like, you know, use two hands, you know, <laughs> uh, all the things I've said over the years, but then he was making these catches. Again, it was the first game junior year, you know, two years ago against Carrollton in the Corky Kale. He makes a one-handed catch across the middle that you had to watch back on, you know, the on huddle, on the film, the next, you know, day just to appreciate how good a catcher was. And then I learned, hey, that's what he's doing at practice. So it's just like free throws in basketball. You know, you practice it, and, you know, then when you get in the game, you expect to make it. So he was, you know, making all these catches at practice, and, and it showed in the game, man. And it's, you know, if he dropped one at practice, I quit, you know, just harping him because he's practicing what he's going to do in the game, and he made them all in the game. And it's like so he's, he's just a freak, freak athlete.
0: How is that to coach, though, when you have a – because football is very different than basketball, and it's, it's so much more of a team game. People like to harp on the quarterback and like to harp on wins and losses on how a quarterback played. And generally speaking, that's not the case for how a lot of games go is what happened with the quarterback. Um, but with Travis, you don't see this kind of superstar like this, his size at this level – And just the way he plays, like, there's just not many guys like that who, who pop and just are this special type of all purpose guy, um, especially in Georgia. Um, but was that hard? Did that make it harder to coach? Was he, it was easier to coach. Was it one of those things where it's like, we gotta, we gotta adjust our scheme a little bit because he just does stuff that like, we just, we have to figure this out. We have to unlock what he is athletically because he's just. He's just kind of a freak of nature (laughs) with our team, and we just we have to maximize this.
2: What he what he did, I mean, you know, it's just you know it takes, you know, it it does take a little bit of different style of coaching, but you Mm -hmm. know, you know what we do offensively, you know, he's like the cheat code for unlocking the (laughs) offense because you know everything I've ever done, you know, know, going back to the Gainesville days, was trying to find matchups. To exploit on the defense, and Travis can exploit any defense in any matchup. So, you know, he was, you know, the challenge was trying to, you know, figure out how to more so get everybody else going because he was always going to have the matchup. Now you get you got teams that were double teaming, which means now the matchup is finding one of the other guys matched up against a lesser guy and exploiting that. So, you know. This past year, even though he was hurt for, you know, you know, over a month, you know, he still, you know, he had 87 catches. Ethan Davis had 70-something catches. Uh, Cam Pedro had 60-something catches. So it spread all out because, you know, and even the year before, we had, you know, had 137-something catches. But, you know, the next (laughs) guy had 60 or 72. So, you know, he's going to always, you know, 99% of the time win his matchup. But when they're putting two and three guys on him, we we had other guys that could, really really hurt you so it's you know it was it was fun game planning because again it was you know you're always in attack mode but with with him and the other weapons that we did have you know it was like you know pick your poison on how you really want to 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 you know hurt a defense
0: what uh when his decision he obviously shocked a lot of folks by uh by not going to florida state and going to jackson state the last moment did that surprise you at all that he made that call?
2: It surprised me a lot okay. Um, because I mean, really he didn't tell any of us because I I actually had mm-hmm. uh, called him, texted him the night before, mm-hmm. asked if he needed anything for the next day. Was he good? You know, sign day and, you know, he texted back. Yeah, I'm good. You know, I'm just going to wake <laughs> up. And he said, I'm going, I'm just going to wake up and, uh, and sign. And I'm thinking, all right, cool. All right. Now mm-hmm. I'm in class at this time, the next, you know, signing day. And, you know, some people, as soon as they wake up, like you said, he's going to do, they sign it, send it in and, you know, the school has it. So it's nine o'clock. I get a text from Florida state, you know, Hey, you know, we hadn't got anything yet. Have you heard from him? I was like, no, <laughs> you know, but he, but, you know, he was, you know, his school day didn't start till like 10 ish because he, he did online stuff. And he was, you know, cause he was graduating early, um, 10 o'clock. Hey, have you heard from him? And I'm like, no. And then I'm starting to, Wonder what's going on, too, mm. uh, and uh, you know, when he's going to do it. And I was like, Well, he usually gets here around this time, so he should be here in a little bit. Um, and then these recruiting sites start hitting me up, Hey, what's going on? There's a rumor, you know, he's going to you know, Jack State, he's going to Georgia, he's going to all these places. I was like, Look, just relax, he's not here yet. But at the same time, in the back of my mind, I'm like, This is you know, it's funny to me because I'm like, All these adults are going crazy about this kid mm-hmm. right now. And I honestly do not know, you know, what's going on. So, you know, when he comes around to that time, he comes in there and I'm like, you know, everybody's going berserk and the Internet's going crazy about, you know, the possibility of him going to Dion or Georgia and everybody. You know, at that point, I'm thinking that he's not going to Florida State because he would have picked them out the gate. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm thinking maybe it's Georgia. Um, And then, when he, you know, when he pulled the hat and said everything. I I I really crack up because I'm like, <laughs> This kid has no idea what he just did. The impact mm-hmm. that made for future athletes, for little kids, or whatever. Because to be such a high-profile, you know, athlete, um, and to pick a HBCU, you know, he he kind of makes it where, you know, it's cool. You know, mm-hmm. you don't know, you can actually, you know, the thing is where where you know over the years I've always told any kid that played for me, you know, you go where you feel comfortable because, you know, your parents are not going to be there for four or five years. Your buddies are not going to be there for four or five years. Wherever you feel comfortable, you know, that's where you go. And I mean, that's and that's what he did.
0: Do you think that will uh like you said, he, he may not have known what kind of uh, long term uh just changes to the recruiting structure he might have just uh, set in motion. Do you think that will be something because that is a really cool thing and something that just we haven't seen before? Uh, for the most part and that could be cool i mean you just saw grambling um with uh hugh jackson you have Dion staying at jackson Mm -hmm. state because you know people at uh, at tennessee Tennessee State. state yeah um it it seems like this is kind of where it's going and it's going in a really cool positive direction do you think we'll start to see more of those and that's something that you expect uh coaching um in the future of like hey you're gonna have more kids ask you like oh can, th- this is cool like we can we can do this what do you think of this should i do this do you think that's going to start popping up more i think it'll
2: become more of an option i mm-hmm. don't know if it'll be like a landslide of all the top players or do anything like that but i think it'll be an option for them because you know i was out in san antonio doing the um, adidas all-american game when the four-star receiver committed to jackson mm-hmm. Trap, and i'm like and i'm cracking up again because then all those players where you know i'm on there with all these all- americans they're talking about it Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think what we'll really see is what happens next is, you know, what happens with Travis in mm-hmm. three years, all yeah. right? So if Travis goes out there and balls and is like, and it is a, is a first round pick or something like that in the, in the NFL draft really high or something like that, then I think that's when it'll actually really, really, um, change, you know, the landscape because, you know, not only does you know would it seem like a, a a fade or a fad or something like that. The fact that he would get to the exact same place that he would have gone to if if it was Georgia or Florida or State or something like that. That's when I think it'll it would be more of a legit option for some some guys. You know, I think it might you know be kind of cool right now because Travis Hunter did it. But mm-hmm. if he goes there and still ends up being um, at the place where he would have been if one of those traditional powers. And I don't see why anybody wouldn't, you know, use it as an option. And again, you're still gonna have you guys that'll go to where they grew up loving. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you just see that, you know, they'll somebody else might go on a, like I said, a recruiting trip and fall in love with, you know, whatever school it is and say, this is where I feel at home.
0: Uh, it's hard to say no to Dion. I might just yeah. sign out with Dion if I go. Yeah, the thing trip. is,
2: how long will Dion be there? That's you know, he's he signing. guy in no disrespect, but he's he signed. But between Travis and that that big time receiver, he signed more four and five stars in a lot of power five schools. You know, by himself.
0: I said at the time where I was like, if I was TCU, I would have just uh, I would have uh, open checkbook. Like when that uh, job opened up with Gary Patterson, I'm like, this is your chance. Like you're in Dallas, you're in Fort Worth. Just whatever Dion wants, like whatever Dion wants, just bring him in because I just I think TCU could be a sleeping giant on that front. And I actually, think he fits a lot of a lot of blocks for uh, TCU, and they're getting ready to. I mean, the Big Twelve going through a lot of changes with Texas yeah. and Oklahoma leaving. Like there was an opening, and I think they just went the safe route and kind of a kind of a boring route with Sunny Dykes. He'll be fine. I just don't think it's I uh, I don't think it's one that just. How can I phrase this? I don't think it's one that's gonna change the long-term trajectory of ccu football i think it'd be yeah. good but not the, the Deion sanders is going to be a home run swing by a bigger program yes. at some point but from the folks i've talked to and that know Dion pretty well and know um what he does in that community he cares and Dion's yeah. done a lot of stuff for that community and that university that i don't know if it's a sure thing that he leaves anytime soon he really no. has invested um heavily and i think I mean, if you commit to Travis Hunter I, I, and these I was kids, about to say, yeah. I think
2: he, you know, it's probably understood that if he did go somewhere, he, he would wait till after Travis. You know, yep. Because I don't think he would go through all the effort to get him there, to leave him there. You know? Right. So, we,
0: well, so you've been at Contil the last two years and now you're at Meadow Creek. Um, you coach before that, obviously for a long time as well. You're very familiar with the Gwinnett County area. Uh, for folks that don't know, outside of uh, the state of Georgia, Gwinnett is just uh, a gigantic county. Gwinnett is gigantic, and it's just been the powerhouse of high school football in the state for uh, my entire life. Uh, even though I'm out of Knoxville, I'm still watching games and stuff like that and checking in. But um, what do you think? You what what have you learned the most from the last two years? Not in that head role to prepare you for this role with Meadow Creek?
2: Well, you know, prior to Collins Hill, I was a head coach at Central for 10 years, you know, and then I think it was kind of refreshing to to take two years to get back, you know, on the grass, so to speak, to, you know, you know, get my hands dirty back, you know, grinding as a position coach and, you know, doing the offensive uh, things and um, without all the headache of the, you know, dealing with, you know, boosters and parents and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it kind of recharged my battery. Cause again, it, you know, this is, I think this fall will be year 26 or 27 or something like that. So it's wow. been a while. It's been a while. So again, it was, you know, it kind of gave me a, another kickstart. That's why I say you know, I have so much juice for, you know, for here right now in metal Creek because, you know, we got some, I think some hungry kids we've got, you know, a, a lot of, you know, we've got some really talented kids too. We've got, I think it's five kids right now with multiple power five offers Hmm. Uh, ready to unleash them on Gwinnett County <laughs> and uh, shock everybody. Um, mostly offense or defense? Actually, split. Actually, actually, okay. most defense. Mostly defense. I mean, actually, it's split. You know, it's two, two receivers, uh, um, a defensive end, D tackle, and a linebacker. Uh, okay, and a corner and a corner. Yeah. So I very mean, it's, cool. it's, it's, a, it's a it's a mix, but it. it's 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 a lot of talent. I don't want to say too much I want to you know uh you know <laughs> unleash it at you know at the right time but mm. uh, it's 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 gonna be fun it's gonna be fun but you know it's you know those last two years you know it, you know you get back in the mix and to have the success that we did you know I think you know the biggest thing I tell people all the time is that we had a really really good staff um and the best thing that we did was make was our halftime adjustments you know for mm. two years. And, and people don't think about things you think about X's and O's and, you know, offense and defense, but, you know, that halftime is when you actually make your counter, you know, to me, you know, in calling plays offensively, you, you call things to set up other things. You know, some people just call plays and they see what I see something and call a play, you know, to me, I think of it more like it's, it's, it's chess, Mm -hmm. the moves to set up other moves. So, you know, the things that I might show, you know, on, in the first half, third quarter is going to be different and we'll close out with something in the fourth. Um, So the halftime adjustments that we, that we've made, especially this past year were, you know, so spot on that, you know, obviously as you saw a lot of games weren't close. And um, um, so that's, I think that's such an under um, underrated part of, you know, football in general, your halftime, you know, having a great staff and and making the best halftime adjustments you can make.
0: Do you think you would enjoy being the CEO type coach? Doesn't sound like it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, because I mean, you get to, I mean, I'm not, you know, I don't like being the micromanager at all.
0: You like Um, scheme, man. You're an X's and O's guy. You like that. I'm a,
2: a, yeah, I'm an X and O kind of guy. I mean, um, you know, sometimes some of the guys that I've known, you know, coach with over the years on my staff, they say I'll have a rain man moment where I kind (laughs) of like, kind of draw up things in the air and, you know, just, you know, come Mm -hmm. up like that. And, And if you watch us play over, you know, where there's, Collins Hill, you know, where we did on offense or the, the Central or even back in Gainesville days, it's kind of not your traditional offense. And, you know, everybody says they run a spread system or whatnot, but um, it's a little more different than what a lot of people are are willing to do.
0: Yeah, people just throw spread around. Spread is just, it doesn't actually mean yeah. anything. It, I love
2: it. It does. I love it because it's, they can say it all day. It's, 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 it's not the you know quote unquote system you know yeah. you know the things that you know that I've I've done over the years is you you can see that you know a lot of those same concepts and, and and you know patterns on Saturdays whether you're watching Texas Tech or uh shoot, Alabama these days and you know and that's the thing that I always say to people now you know especially the old school guys and, and even though 26 years or whatever um if Nick Saban can change yeah What's your excuse, you know yeah. even, you know Alabama was always you know you know ground and pound, and we're going to run the ball forty fifty times and 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 make you feel it It's evolution things' mm-hmm. got these guys that are you know a lot of guys that you know would be in the old days playing basketball, playing football now, yeah, and spread everybody out or you got some small quick guys, you know, depending on what you have, and you just find the mismatch. You know, those Look big, at the
0: linebackers from big 2003 big. versus now. Like, exactly. linebackers so are just stages
2: Yeah. Those big, huge linebackers that Saban used to use could not mm-hmm. be on the field today. No. You know, could not be on the field because they'd be too big and too slow. It's like basketball with just bigs. Like
0: unless you're, you have to be a Joel Embiid type where you have to be so skilled offensively that it makes sense to have a high usage center. Like you just, you, the shacks of the world are not going to, not going to exist. You just, you play too fast. Yeah. I just, I think it's so interesting, especially with you. And I, this is what I like talking to offensive minded coaches so much is that high school football and just football as a whole has changed so much um, over the last 20 years. But How has that changed how you have to because high school coaching is different where you have to do so much based on the personnel that you have and you get new guys all the time and you have no idea who's moving to your area. There's no like, obviously, I guess I won't I won't go into that. But by and large, yeah, by and large, you have no control over who's moving into your area and what kids are coming up and all that kind of stuff. So. If you are someone that has an ardent scheme structure and offensive philosophy, I think that makes it hard now to be successful over the long term as a as a high school coach and a a long term successful coach, because so much of what you have to do, you have to adapt because one year you might just have a kid who literally he just can't he can't be an RPO guy like he just can. not And You're like, I'm an RPO coach and I need him to be able to read and react and things like that. And you're like, that's just not who he is. And he gives you the best chance to win. So you have to you have to evolve. Have you has that made it hard for you? over the years to, to change with the with the times and change with personnel?
2: Well I I think, you know, in my opinion, I think what I do offensively at, at this system itself adapts to the personnel. Mm-hmm. Um because Sam Horn is nothing like Jaron Williams, who was nothing like Blake Sims, and uh who was nothing like uh, kid I have when I first got to Central Emmanuel Westmore mm-hmm. who was the number two passer in Gwinnett County history who was again you look at him he was a 5'10 185 pound kid 5'10 185 Sam's 6'4 190 Sam mm-hmm. you know, Williams is 6'2 you know, 210 and Blake was one eighty five. so you know you got the runners you got the drop backs you got you know you, you just adapt to it and um, I think that's kind of where, you know, things are these days is that, you know, the guys that might say, well, I run this and I'm just going to run this. That's that might get you in trouble because, like you said, if what if the kid can't do that? Mm-hmm. So what you have to do is adapt to figure out how the kids can adapt to what you want them to do. And then you just got to emphasize what they do best, um, you know, because, you know, you do have. Some people that might just be, you know, stubborn and hardheaded and say, I'm going to make this them run my system where your system might not fit the personnel. And then you really have to adjust later on. But it might be, you know, it could be too late. Then you have to start over, like maybe in the middle of the season or something like that.
0: Yeah, it's not good. That's not the situation you want to be in. I have to ask you, because everything this week is about the combine and about um small hands with the quarterback yeah. position and Kenny Pickett obviously wearing gloves um to to go get, can you explain like because I haven't really gotten a great read on this and gotten a great like people have differing opinions on this what can you tell me as a football expert an offensive expert and really just a quarterback expert coach like how much does that actually matter in terms of whether or not a quarterback isn't going to be successful his hand size how much does it really matter and what do the gloves and what does hand size really
2: do for a quarterback well, I mean, it's, to me, you know, again, it's just my opinion, but it's just like a pitcher in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll use like one of my favorites—the um, um, guy uh, played with the, the the Red Sox, um, Pedro Martinez, mm-hmm. one of the best, you know, Hall of Fame, one of the best pitchers ever. You know, he was a small guy, but his his hands were huge and his fingers were like really long, so he had an extra whip when he was mm-hmm. throwing ball, which he was. 5'10", 160 pounds, but he could throw it 97 miles an hour or he could hit 100
0: yeah. because of, you know, hand
2: size. So I think it gives you a better grip if you have a bigger hand. So, I mean, if you look at some of the all-time greats like, you know, Troy Aikman and and Aaron Rodgers, you know, huge hands that could, you know, you can just kind of maneuver the ball regardless of conditions and still get it off. Now, if you do have smaller hands and what the, you know, NFL experts kind of say is that, you know, you, those are the ones who ha- you know, have – fumbling issues you know because you're going to get hit at some point so the ball will pop out or you know when you take one hand off of the the ball you know just you know some of those guys can get sacked and still have the ball in one hand if they have those paws and if Mm -hmm. you don't it just you know it just creates more um probably turnover tendencies
0: do you are you going to teach under center stuff are you going to teach any? yeah uh, yeah i mean that's,
2: that's that'll be a you know that's a you know, a curveball kind of package, um, you know, that, you know, you got to have, you still have to have a at least a package of some kind of mm. power, you know, power sets to, you know, get the short yardage if you want to do that, something on the goal line. But where, where it really comes in handy um, is like when you're trying to close out a game, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, you're high tempo, high tempo, high tempo. If you have a 14, 17, 10-point lead, you know, late in the fourth, you, you don't want to, um, stay fast, you know, you want to slow it down. So then you can, you know, get under center and kind of, then you can go old school and just and pound somebody else at that point.
0: What personnel are you most excited about
2: using Meadow Creek? Uh, but what, what the personnel looks like looking like here, you know, probably some 10, um, mm-hmm. but there's some, it's a lot of some big body kids here too. So, you mm-hmm. know, you know, 10, 11 personnel, Something like that. I can, you know, I I I never really had, uh, except for a couple times in my career, like legit, true tight ends. Yes, yeah. tight end type bodies here, and you know, huh. And so, you know, like I said, I won't say a whole lot, but um, can I catch? Got, can I run routes? Got a lot of different uh, options.
0: Okay. Can you say who you're most excited about? Can you say who, based on player wise?
2: Yeah, player wise. There's, there's, uh, there honestly is, a, is a few. um, mm-hmm. Like I said, the, the kid Champ Thompson is a, I think he's going to end up being a national kid. He's already got like 16 power five offers. He's just a sophomore. It's uh, also a
0: great name. That's a great football yeah. Georgia name. Champ
2: Thompson. Champ Thompson. His, his dad played, uh, O-line for the Falcons, um, uh, back in the deck and back in the Vic days.
0: Um, wait, what was his dad's name? Champ Thompson. What's his dad's name? Chris Thompson. Chris Thompson. Okay.
2: Interesting. Small world. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, and then you have, um, Javon Bailey, who's a corner that uh-huh. you know, he has multiple offers. Um, I mean, it's, it's, you know, one kid, you know, is a big body receiver. Um, Keyshawn Singleton, he has, you know, several, he, he reminds me of a kid. I had at central Dejon Reynolds. That's actually a freshman at Florida right now. He was mm-hmm. also a big body kid like that. Um, and then we have, you know, it's a burner type receiver, um, Andre Craig, um, you know, he has Maryland offer and all kinds of, he's, he's, he's that take the top off guy, but he's mm-hmm. 180 pounds, you know, he's, he's a, you know, muscled up kind of kid. So, you know, excited to see all those guys and there's some kids that, you know, don't have offers yet that I think by the end of spring practice will have a, a few.
0: Well, let's end with this. So you got spring practice coming up. You've got this, uh, you're already thinking ahead of like how you're going to approach the season. What are you most excited about the spring and what are you looking for? And then, What are your, like, for you, not what outside expectations are, but, like, what kind of expectations have you set for yourself in year one at Meadow Creek?
2: You know, one thing that I told, you know, it's actually um, uh, Tony Jones Jr. He's he's coming with me from uh, Collins Hill, and I, you know, he's a younger coach, and and we're doing these, uh, you know, the after-school workouts and everything, and I'm, you know, I try to mentor, and you know, the younger coaches that I do have, and I was like, you know, this is the thing. And that's why I say I get so excited that I said, you know. Point A is where we started a couple of weeks ago, these workouts, you know, Mm -hmm. knowing their baseline, how strong they are, different techniques and all that. I said, when, when we get to the end of July, early August, before we play that first game, see where they are. Then I said, that's the that's what I get excited about looking from point A to point B. You know, I'm excited about going out to the first practice of spring just to be back out there you know, in this role, seeing these guys, cause like they're, they're, they're excited, you know, just because it's, it's a fresh new, you know, everything to them. Mm-hmm. So they're, you know, they're fired up just to, just to see their excitement. um, And just installing everything, you know, like I said, that's, that's what I get, you know, the kind of the, the joy out of that is, you know, the strategy and seeing how quick they can pick up everything, watching them go, Cause I know they've never gone at the pace that we're going to go before and, and just seeing, you know, watching them. Cause it was, you know, two years ago at console, they went through the same thing,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
2: we're in that, that summer, that spring, and it was COVID and all that kind of stuff, but teaching those guys how to play faster than they think is legal. Mm-hmm. And, and then when it rolls out there and you do it against the team and they, they're blowing two timeouts on the first drive, the kids go crazy because everything that you team that first day of spring practice, way back when comes true in the fall and they and that's when they really really buy in
0: i like it i like it um i always end on this i want to i want to get your perspective so i know coaching during the fall you don't have time like there's just time is just out out the window like there's you got enough on your plate but in the off season what do you like to read what what uh like what do you like to get into coach
2: well you know it's a couple things and again covid Mm kind of threw we all that stuff, off the last couple of years, but I mean, mm-hmm. I like to uh, I like to still go to the gym and lift. Okay, um, you know, I got you know, my kids do AAU basketball and club soccer and that kind of stuff, and just to sit back and you know try to be a fan for a little bit instead of uh, coaching, so I can you know yell at coaches for, <laughs> for a change. Um, and honestly, right. other than that, just sitting down <laughs> and, and not doing anything that's the that's the best <laughs> to, to just to, just to chill out is the best
0: i like it i like it well coach good luck to you except when you play part view this fall can't do that i can't uh i can't do that unfortunately but outside of that uh i think meadow creek's in good hands and i'm excited to see what you've got cooking down there back home in Lowburn. so good luck to you sir we'll have to check back in uh before the season absolutely that'd be great that all right, y'all, that'll do it for this edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. Thank you again to Coach Todd Wofford and uh, Matt Green for coming on today's show. Go support the Metacreek Mustangs if you're a local uh, Lilber Knight and uh, what he's doing down there. So um, yeah. Great to have him on, and really appreciate the time from Coach. And uh, looking forward to seeing what he is able to do at Meadow Creek uh, this fall. So excited there! And then, of course, all things college football with Matt Green. Hope you enjoyed that as well. Go give him a follow on Twitter at Matt underscore W underscore Green. And uh, yeah, if you like this episode of the podcast, make sure you tell a friend, coworker, family member, whoever about the podcast. And uh, if you have not already done so. Uh, hit that subscribe button like it share it out uh, leave a five-star rating and a review on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your podcast uh, go check out the homepage, chase thomas uh, for access to all of my previous episodes and all the information you need uh, for this very show and uh, yeah we're on youtube so if you want to watch these interviews and all that good stuff uh, make sure you go subscribe to our youtube channel at uh, the chase thomas podcast so do that today that would also be great all right don't forget Chase Thomas, uh, chase double underscore Thomas on Twitter. like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. All right, that'll do it for today. the March 10th edition here on the Chase Thomas podcast. new episode coming to you. you guessed it tomorrow. All right, Uncle I'll there. How to do
2: Nicely done, nephew.